Murabai. Good morning. I'm Judith Lay and this is Praise, the programme that connects faith and daily life. Radio. On the programme today, the transforming power of sunflowers, news of a remarkable young lady you must try to meet, and a prayer for protection, the Deer's Cry, composed by St. Patrick, is not only the inspiration for our music today, but it's also the theme of this year's Praying the Keels Week. Let's begin with a musical setting of the Deer's Cry, also known as St. Patrick's Breastplate, sung here by the Corpus Christi male chorale. St. Patrick's Breastplate, or the Deer's Cry, a prayer composed by St. Patrick in the year 433 AD. Patrick was aware that there was an ambush to try to kill him and his group as they were making their way to the king's court. As they marched, they sang the Deer's Cry. The Druids lay in hiding, ready to kill, but as Patrick and his men passed by, it is said that the attackers saw only a gentle doe followed by twenty fawns. The miracle saved Patrick and his men. The deer's cry and St. Patrick's breastplate, which is another version of the words of St. Patrick, are beautiful prayers celebrating a God who lives with his children, guiding them, sheltering them, strengthening them. A God who is with us and in us through his creation. Yeah. 
another setting of the deer's cry after we've heard from my first guest today. Praying the Keels Week started life as a one-off event. Fourteen years later, it's a firm annual fixture on the Manx calendar. One of the organisers, Phil Crane, joins me now to tell us what this special week of events has to offer us this year. Hello, Phil. Hi, Jude. Now, pilgrimage, walking is very much in your spirit. You love to go on pilgrimage and get a lot from it. And you have an inspirational way of encouraging others to make pilgrimages with you. What do you think it is that it adds to our life? I think pilgrimage and Keels Week are chances for us to step off the busyness of everyday life and the ordinariness of routine and there's a place for that but to maybe drop down a gear or two walking through creation and that helps us to take away the distractions and God bubbles up through the spirit comes through just take the stuff away you know we don't need to grit our teeth and say where are you God just take away the distractions and we'll find God's there and pilgrimage and Keel's week I think just offer opportunities for us all to do that whether we profess a faith or not it's just a, a chance to to say hang on no I'm just going to have a day off I'm going to switch my phone off for a few hours here and go on a Keel's walk and just see what creation speaks to me Tell us a little bit about what Keel's Week is offering this year, please, Phil. Yeah, what is a Keel, first of all? A, a Keel is an ancient Celtic chapel, which goes back to the earliest times on the island. They're built from the 6th to the 12th century, right from the early days of, of Christianity. There were 200, we think, originally built on the island, so they're marked on the Ordnance Survey map. But today, because they are so ancient, there are only about 35 with any visible remains left. But these ones are often in the most uh, remote and beautiful spots on, on the island. And Keel's Week, which is now, I think, in its 14th year, is a chance to, to reclaim these ruins, in a way, to acknowledge their heritage and the past and the, the way they've been prayed over and prayed in during the intervening centuries, and to give us an opportunity to hang a week of events on where we will go to visit the Keels, often in walks, short or long. There's also a coach trip. There's a public lecture to just focus on the, these, this wonderful gift that's, that God's given us in these ancient ruins. Now, you are very keen to point out that this week of events is offered to people of any faith and no faith. If people want to explore Christian roots, we've got people like Frank Cowan who know all the background to the sites that you will visit. But if you just want to absorb the beauty and just get lost in nature, that's absolutely fine as well, isn't it? Yes, of course. They're open to everyone. There will be Christian prayers, reflections there. 
there. They will be also, as you say, there'll be a talk on the heritage and the history of that particular site or location, but open to all people. And we've tried to vary the uh, the geographical spread over the island, but also the length of the walk as well. The week will be topped and tailed on each Saturday. It's the 18th and the 25th of May by longer walks. But during the week, there'll be something on each day, morning or afternoon or evening of greater or lesser length. So the programme makes it quite clear what degree of difficulty the walk would involve. For example, if it were a longer walk on either of the Saturdays, it tells you exactly what's involved and the kind of terrain you'll be covering. Yes, that's right. Both the Saturday walks are um, six or seven miles and we we do say bring stout footwear and clothing appropriate to the weather. It's not a nice day. You just um, bring your waterproofs. There's no need to book at all. So you look at the weather and decide if you want to come. Apart from a coach trip, we do need prior booking for that. But yeah, bring your waterproofs a decent pair of walking boots and a packed lunch for the Saturday walks. The ones in between, just bring yourself. I'm looking forward to the Friday evening walk particularly. It's an opportunity to go to see a keel that I don't think many people will have done because it's on private land and the, the landowner and tenant have kindly agreed to let us go there. And it's at Raby, which is just to the north of Glen May. And there's a, a keel there. There's what we think might be an ancient font there's a cursing stone, we think, and that will be led by um, Katie Newton, who's done uh, homework on all the keels, and I think that will be a lovely one. That's at 7 o'clock, meeting at Glen May Methodist Chapel on Friday the 24th. It's only two miles, and uh, it'll, be, it'll be a lovely one, and bring a shared supper we can have at the chapel before. Another lovely feature of the, the way this week is planned is that there are events at different times. There are evening events for those who are working, and daytime events for those who have some time. That's right. So, for for example, on Thursday afternoon, there's a lovely four-mile walk from Glenmore taking in Spootvane Waterfall and the nearby Cabal Ferrick, St. Patrick's Chapel, a lovely little keel in a wooded glade in Glenmore. So that would be just a four-mile afternoon walk. There's an evening walk on Tuesday 21st, meeting at Sulby Reservoir to see Corridy Keel and the nearby walk-in well. And there's a lovely Monday morning walk, meeting at St. Adamnum's, which is a lovely gem, a church which has been built on a keel. It's actually got the, 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 the walls and a, and, and a roof, as many of the keels went on to become the, um, the churches, including the parish churches of today. So that one is, is meeting at 10.30 at St. Adamnum's, and then going on to the Agniche Methodist Chapel, and then the Salmon Lake Centre for, for lunch. And that evening, Monday evening, there's a talk at Promenade Methodist by Reverend Professor Ian Bradley, who's professor at St Andrews University and his special subject is Celtic Christianity. So he'll be talking about um, myths of Celtic spirituality and their relevance to the 21st century. So that will be something to look forward to. I just mentioned too that on the Sunday, the 19th, three o'clock in the afternoon, we've got a family day, which will be at Sulby Methodist Church, a mixture of godly play and messy church. So that, especially for those with families, that that will be good fun, I know, because we, we did something similar last year. The theme of the whole week is the deer's cry, also known as St. Patrick's breastplate. It's attributed to St. Patrick, but in Manx context, it is known for the beautiful illustrated manuscript manuscripts done by Archibald Knox. So that's what we're going to be focusing on loosely during the week. Phil, it it sounds again a a week full of richness and variety, really something to offer everybody. And I I should add as well, for non-walkers, apart from a lecture, we've got the coach 
tour, which is always a favourite, conducted by Frank Cowan, and that will be at 7 o'clock on Wednesday the 22nd, heading to the, the south of the island, looking at St Mary's Catholic Church in Castletown, the, the fine stained glass in there, as well as the Mount Tabor Methodist Church in Port St Mary. That will cost £14, including supper and the coach trip. All this information is on the Praying the Keels website. Prayingthekeels.org. Yes. And Keels is spelled K-E-E-I-L-L-S. Yes, double E-double L. Phil Crane, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you. And have a a great week. Thank you. Come along. I intend to. setting of the Prayer of St. Patrick is by Sean Davey and featured in his work, The Pilgrim. Phil mentioned that as part of Praying the Keels Week, there'll be a talk to be given by Professor Ian Bradley at the Promenade Methodist Church. Professor Bradley will also be the guest speaker at the next meeting of the Ireland Spirituality Network, which is next Saturday the 18th in St. John's Mill from 10am to 1pm. Professor Bradley is an author, journalist, broadcaster and Church of Scotland minister. He's written extensively on Celtic Christianity and his intriguing theme for the morning will be a pod of peas following the Celtic way. Come to the mill on Saturday morning at 10 to find out more. A suggested donation of £10 is very much appreciated to offset against expenses. However, no one is ever asked for money, so please don't stay away for financial reasons. Christian Aid Week starts today. The familiar red envelopes will be making their appearance in the coming days. And this year it's all about sunflowers, establishing and strengthening cooperatives run by women farmers, helping some of the world's poorest people to work themselves out of poverty, as our local Christian Aid representative Louise Whiteleg now explains. This year is a continuation of the project that we're doing with the Isle of Man government. So we're in partnership with the Isle of Man government and we're looking after Burundi. The project's Sustainable Livelihoods. So there's a number of different projects that fall under that umbrella, but all within work within Burundi. So this year's Christian Aid Week project, what we're doing is we're focusing on the Sunflower Ladies. 
It's a beautiful project. It's looking at getting groups of women together to form a cooperative, put the women together, put them into a group, and the progress and the productivity and the impact that has is massive. So it's getting all these ladies together and it's teaching them correct farming techniques. It's things that we don't really do over here because they have to look at how to stop evaporation from the soil and things like this. So they cut by hand lots and lots of grass and they lay it around the crops to keep the moisture in the soil. So it's all those sort of detailed farming techniques that we teach them through Ngozi University, which is in the north of Burundi. Um, and then we empower those ladies to go out and, and to get maximum yield that they can from the land that they've got. Because it's fascinating with these sunflowers. When I was over there, I was supposed to be talking to sort of the adults associated with all these farming projects. But out of the corner of my eye, I spotted this little child. And I don't know what they were eating. It just looked black, a black circle. And they're busily nibbling away on the inside of this circle. So I, I went over and I said, you yeah, know, what's that? And they said, it's a sunflower. And until that point, it never occurred to me. It was something that would be such a staple part of the diet and actually a bit of a treat for them because the way she was nibbling the insides of the sunflower seeds, it reminds me of how we eat corn on the cob and just the look on her face of the treat of this sunflower. It was fantastic. So we're raising money to help them grow sunflowers in this cooperative, which is not only nutrition for them, but they can make it into oil as well to help them cook with. And then any excess they've got, they can sell on and put back into the community. The key here is sustainable. Also, this is referencing a country that you know personally. You went on a self-funded trip, didn't you, over yes. a year ago. You can say, I saw this, I experienced that. You can personalise it for us, and I think that's very important. And these are some of the world's poorest people. Do you know, Judith, it's one of the challenges because these people are our global brothers and sisters. Before I went on the project, actually, before I went to have a look, there was another NGO that rang me, and he said, look, you know, I just want you to prepare yourself. Have you got any trauma training afterwards when you come home? Because the things that you're going to see are going to be incredibly harrowing. And when I went over there, yes, they're in the most horrific situations. But the smiles and the joy and the welcoming, they feel like family. The humanity and the kinship that I felt with these people. Even though we don't have a common language... We come from worlds that are absolutely poles apart, purely by accident of birth, and yet there's this link. And the only way I can explain it is it's like kinship. And that is, of course, what we're talking about when we look at God's kingdom. Louise, have you got a target that you want to raise this year? Are you sitting down, Judith? I am. Well, as I said, we're working in partnership with the Isle of Man government and the Isle of Man government granted Christian Aid in Burundi one of the large international partnership grants. And part of that arrangement is we need to raise 10% of that grant. Last year, we raised over £30,000 um, that went towards the Burundi project, which leaves us with just over £47,000 to find this year. It's a leap of faith. It's absolutely a leap of faith. It's uh, the island's way of assisting our global neighbours, people we might never meet, but people who are our global families. £47,000 is a lot of money, but it will transform lives. It will save lives. There's no pussyfooting around this. These people are dying. And if it's not an immediate death they're looking at, it's a short term of life expectancy. Over there, the life expectancy is between 50 and 55 years. Ours over here is about 80. The money that we raise 
and how we help them through these cooperatives. Once we set up those cooperatives, these women will have a little bit of extra money. And that little bit of extra money is enough for them to afford to pay for their children to go to school. It's enough to afford for the medicine that the children need. When we consider terms of our little bit of extra money, oh, and I'll go and get a new handbag, it's a little bit of extra money is the difference between life and death over there. And these are words that I think sometimes are overused and we we really lose the meaning behind that. I'm starving hungry, the husband will say when he comes home from work. Actually, no, you're not. These people really are starving. They've got a complete lack of nutrition. One of the main staple foods that they have over there is something called cassava. And now I'm going to say I was lucky enough to try this, but there's inverted commas flying around the lucky. It's a cross between boiled potato and wallpaper paste, just to give you an idea of the consistency. And the taste is about the same as wallpaper paste. And that's their staple diet, and there's no nutritional value in that. So when we're looking at encouraging them to grow something like sunflower seeds through the cooperatives, that is not just extra pennies, literally pennies, but it's vital nutrition. Louise, I don't think the campaign could be in better hands. You couldn't explain it more clearly. And I do think it comes from the fact that you've actually been there. That self-funded trip has just given so much more impetus to the th- the stories you tell us and the way that you describe it, the fact that it is a first-hand account. So lots of things going on. Um, we should be looking out for the little envelopes that are coming around. Yes, the- lots and lots and lots going on. It's going to be, I, I think, a bit of a prolonged exercise this year, given the amount of funds that we need to raise. Don't panic if you haven't yet organised anything to do in Christian Aid Week. I'll let you off. There's a few more weeks in the year after that. Well, that is, you know, it, it being serious about it, whilst Christian Aid Week starts now, the events will run on for a good number of months. So there will be yes. special fundraisers and coffee mornings and things we can join in going on for quite a period yes, of time. Yes, yes, absolutely. Do keep the eye out. and yeah. The little red envelopes will be popping the way through your letterboxes. If you're unfortunate enough not to receive one, do have a look on the website or just drop a donation into the local church. It'll find its way to where it needs to be. Indeed it will. Louise Whiteleg, our local representative for Christian Aid, thank you very much for talking to us today. Thank you, Judith. Thank you. Yesterday, I met a remarkable young woman. Emily Owen was born into a Christian household and had an entirely normal upbringing. The eldest of four children, she was sporty, academically gifted and an excellent musician. She loved life and loved learning and her parents were raising all their children in the understanding of God's love and care for them. But the whole family's world was shattered when, as a teenager, Emily was diagnosed with a condition which would take her to the brink of death not once but many times, as successive tumours attacked her nervous system and had to be surgically removed. Emily has had countless operations, affecting her ability to walk unaided, damaging facial nerves so that she could no longer play her beloved flute, and ultimately severing her auditory nerves, leaving her profoundly deaf. But listen to what Emily said to me when I suggested that surely this devastating illness must have shaken her faith in God. What other option did I have but to turn to God? Everything had gone so wrong. You know, that when I sat in that hospital and was told, you've got brain tumours, you've got this, that and the other, you can't leave, everything's going to change. And then as things carry on, things really did change and how poorly I was. And literally God was the only place I could turn sometimes. So, no, I wouldn't say my faith wavered. I would say my belief that God could really want me wavered. 
if that makes sense. Because I didn't even want myself. You know, I'd look at myself lying in hospital, couldn't move, couldn't eat, couldn't talk, could, could really not do anything. And I, I genuinely thought, well, I don't even want to live. What's the point? I don't want me. Who would want me? So I thought, well, why would God want me? But not in a sense of God doesn't love me. Just literally, why on earth would he want someone who's as rubbish as me? As you might imagine, that's just a small part of a much longer conversation with Emily Owen, which I'll be featuring on this programme in a couple of weeks' time. But you can meet Emily today and be inspired by her cheerful, positive and deeply faith-filled life. Emily will be preaching at the Methodist Church in Peel this morning at half past ten, and then this afternoon she'll be meeting a group of local Christian writers. And that's between 2pm and 4pm this afternoon in The Well, next door to Broadway Baptist Church here in Douglas. And whilst this is a group for Christian writers, everyone will be made very welcome if you'd like to pop in and have a chat with Emily. Two churches in Ramsey are about to take a courageous step, and I hope it's something we'll be talking about in more detail on next Sunday's programme. In the next two weeks, the Methodist Church and the United Reformed Church, both on Waterloo Road in Ramsey, will hold their final services prior to closure of their present churches and the signing of a declaration of commitment to explore the way forward for the two churches to meet and worship together on a new shared site. Looking back, moving forward is the theme of the two services. Next Sunday the 19th at half past ten, Trinity United Reformed Church will celebrate 134 years of worship in that building and then on Sunday the 24th, Waterloo Road Methodist Church will celebrate 173 years of worship in their building, with that service also starting at half past ten. If you or anyone you know has had any connection with these two churches over the years, it would be wonderful if you could come back, share memories and give thanks for all that has been achieved over the years by these two church families. Let's finish with a prayer from Sean Davies' work, The Pilgrim. May every hurtless blessing, every pure prayer, every ladder which reaches heaven be of help to me. Every good saint who has suffered on the face of the earth below, every pious disciple who believed in Christ, everyone meek, everyone quiet, everyone sincere, everyone unsullied, every confessor, every soldier who exists beneath the sun. every glorious pilgrim, every rich person of goodly power, every destitute person, every saint who has abandoned the land, every tongue without fail upon which grace has been bestowed, every heart throughout the world which never covenants treachery. From here may they protect me against the fog surrounded demons, these companions of the King's Son from the lands of the living. May my King guard me, may he aid me always. May I, at every need, be under the protection of God's hand.
Thank you for listening to this week's Praise Podcast. There's a new Praise Podcast available every Sunday morning. You can subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify via the Manx Radio smartphone app or at manxradio.com. So, till we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for your company and I wish you and those you love every blessing in the days ahead.